Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 312, covering Body and Soul and Nightingale. Hi, friends. We sound tired because Voyager's making us tired. We're, we're, we're beaten men. Beaten, I'm, tired I'm, men. I mean, it's also early, and we're in I mean, a hotel, and I don't want to be too loud to the other adjoining rooms, but, but mostly it's Voyager. <laughs> Those adjoining rooms that will not offer us the same uh, consideration. No, certainly not. Bam, bam, bam. I'm having sex in here. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Dennisman. Dennisman? Yeah, all right, fine. I'll allow it. <laughs> No, we are uh, in the same location, which is always a treat. Mm-hmm. So I think we always get a better show when uh, when we're not trying to guess each other's, like, I think Matt's mad about this, but I'm not sure. Oh, if only I could see his face and yeah. not hear the pounding of his tiny fists. Yeah. Now you have you have decently sized fists. You don't have, uh, let, let's let, put your hand up. Yeah, we get roughly the yeah. same hand size there. I'll do uh, the E.T. fingertip thing. Yeah, no, we needed to paint a glass between us to do the uh, <laughs> have been. No, it shall be your co-host. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Anyway, this 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 voice week was for radio. This this voice uh, this uh, week was garbage. By the way. Uh huh. Well, total. What, total what else is new? I feel like we should keep a running tally at this point, like good episodes this season versus bad episodes this season. Do you, I was talking to Amanda yesterday. Do you remember the last good one? It couldn't have been that long ago. It, I can't have been, but it feels like an eternity. It really does. And I know there are some listeners out there who love it when we suffer, so... Uh, it feels like I've always been the caretaker of shitty Voyager episodes. <sighs> so you're Banjo Man? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I'm Banjo Man. Oh, boy. Except without the ability to play the banjo. I don't know that he played his banjo, did he? Oh, he, just, he probably just plucked at it. Yeah, he, he just had it. It was just a prop. Just hanging out in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Like Amos Moses? Like uh, Kermit the Frog. Ah, yes. <laughs> the other famous banjo player. Why are there so many episodes about the holodeck? I really wish that Harry Kim would shut up. Well, we'll get there. Let me tell you first about Body and Soul, which I knew from the title would not be something I would enjoy. But let's uh, let, let, let me tell you what happens. So Harry Seven and the Doctor are poking comets in the Delta Quadrant, excuse me, in the Delta Flyer, uh, when they run into some alien jerks. Seriously, can the Delta Flyer go anywhere in the stupid quadrant without being, as the great Thaddeus Venture once said, waylaid by jackassery? <laughs> the jackassery du jour is some race that thinks holograms, or photonics as they call them in a desperate attempt to make them sound cooler, are rebels, I guess. Insurgents, they say. Mercifully, we never learned much more about this. So the doctor manages to flee captivity by storing himself in Seven's body. Somehow. Borg nanoprobes, shut up. He proceeds to use her body to flirt with guards and then gets really upset when the girl guards don't see that he's flirting, but the boy guards do. Because once again, there's only one correct sexual orientation in the entire galaxy. Thanks, Star Trek. That's some real infinite diversity and infinite combinations there, you eye dicks. Occasionally, the Doctor ducks back out of Seven's body long enough for us to realize that Seven is aware of everything he's doing in there, and she's super not okay with it. But oh well, let's just hop back in for another joyride of cheesecake and tongue kissing. Needs of the many and all that. Meanwhile, over on Voyager, Tuvok has reached that time of the seven years. Ponfar, the blood fever, daddy horny Catherine. Okay, I just grossed myself out with that one. Anyway, it's seven-year itch time, and the only person who can help Tuvok is Tom. Barely confident, barely competent as a nurse, and even less so as a not-racist human, Tom ends up assisting Tuvok in the one way he knows how, with holodeck porn. Specifically holodeck porn based on Tuvok's wife. Which is kind of sweet, actually. But then those alien jerks show up with their anti-hologram business, and honestly, they have kind of a point if you ask me. So Kate is forced to switch all the holodecks off at the most awkward time for Tuvok. Poor bastard. Eventually, the Doctor finds exactly the right combination of gross and inappropriate things to do with Seven's body, and they escape the jerk aliens. Back on Voyager, Seven reiterates the important lesson that she's learned today, that the Doctor was completely right to hijack her body and do a bunch of stuff that she'd never do with it. Why don't I just jump in right into my bad thing at this point? This was... awful. Yeah. Um, for a variety of reasons, um, the Doctor is officially an awful creep now. Yeah. 
Um, taking huge liberties with her body despite her protests and continuing to do so. We've been dancing around that one for a while, but now it's just like, well, what do you mean you don't want to do all the crap that I want to do with your body? That, the thing is, that's they, they've been, well. Let me let me talk about my yeah. thing. Okay. So I mentioned this before as a sort of half joke, but I'm not really kidding this time. I'm really getting tired of Star Trek's attitude that everyone must enjoy life the same way. And that human, the human way, too. Like, yeah. that's been a thing in Star Trek since the original series, but it was done with a lot, lot more tact and, like... Well, also, we could we could grade on a curve. We could forgive it a little because it was the 60s. And, well, okay, they're kind of thinking about this like Americans who are spreading their great will across the world kind of thing. But we're supposed to be more enlightened now, you know? Now it's just like, oh, you do it this way. And only this way. Also, neither of these two are human. Mm-hmm. Remember that. But really, for a show that's supposed to be about exploring new worlds, meeting new people, and infinite diversity, we sure keep coming back to this very narrow, specific idea of how people should live. This manifests itself in the Doctor insisting that Seven get drunk, eat garbage, and oh yeah, do sexual things she's uncomfortable doing. I think the episode wanted to make this last thing a wacky comedy plot, but the very clear reaction of horror and violation from Seven made it not funny at all. The doctor straight up took liberties with her body and she was not happy about it. Yet, by the end of the episode, she brings cheesecake and champagne to sickbay to say, you were right, I should enjoy myself more. It's not as bad as the seven was assaulted and nobody believes her episode, but it's definitely cut from the same cloth. It really is. It's that same. And again, it's all about her reaction. It's Mm -hmm. all about he pops out of her body and she's like, what did you do? I can't believe you did this. And he's like, oh, it's fine. Just lighten up. Well, and honestly, the... The the seven rape episode really hangs over this one too. To me, it does. Yeah, exactly. And that might just be because we watched the episodes in order. Like, I don't know if that would be the same. I mean, unless you're watching the show, I guess, and remember things. But I mean, that was that was two or three seasons ago. Now it's just stuck with me as one of the worst episodes they've done. Yeah. So I'm still thinking about it. But it definitely it like between that and this, it's just like you know, it just makes it worse for seven. Yeah. And I it, feel terrible for It's it. happening to her again. Yeah. One of the strongest characters on the show, which makes it infinitely worse. Yeah. Because she usually has so much agency and so much capability, and now she's just a helpless and victim. She's a fucking prop in this, ep- in this yeah. episode. And it's really upsetting. Yeah. Th- they could have played it for laughs. They could have not had those scenes where she was horrified. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They chose to play it that way. And so I'm forced to interpret it the way they no, I mean, I will give them this. That's like the, you know, that's if I was writing it, that's the logical path I'd take for seven. Yeah, but it, she's been controlled her entire life up to this point, And having some guy in her head dancing around trying to fuck some dude like. Well, you're right. You're absolutely right. But if you're going to do it's like if you're going to do a shrinking episode, mm-hmm. you don't focus on the science. If you're going to do an everyone turns into kid episode, you don't really think about the serious repercussions. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, what would, they're doing a body swap episode, and you should just kind of throw all that out the window and have fun with it. But they didn't. They wanted it to be a little disturbing, and it became really disturbing. Yeah. Nice one, Voyager. You fucked it up again. Because this could have been a wacky yeah. body swap episode, and the thing, and this ties into your good thing. Yeah, exactly. And Jerry Ryan does a. Really good doctor impression, That's honestly. That's the thing. Like, for the first couple of lines, I'm like, what is wrong with, oh, I get it. You can actually read in my notes where it's just like, what is happening? Oh. Yeah, same. Oh, no. You can see the penny drop for both of us. Uh-huh. Like, I get it. But it, and it's a dumb premise, but she sells it and it's funny. And she's like, she has clearly been watching Robert Picardo since she got there. Just, oh, we can talk like this and do it this way. And then I'll move my arms in a way that Robert Picardo you know, stimulates. Yeah. And stimulates. You're, you're, you're doing, well, stimulates too, unfortunately. Yes, yeah. But you're, you're doing some of the body language right now, opening your eyes wide and flailing your arms around. And, I'm you the know. wacky doctor character. Yeah, exactly. And and she does a, an amazing job of it. Mm-hmm. But And then as soon as he hops out of her body, it's just like, why would you do these horrible things to me? And then he you just jumps back in. got me drunk. Yes, I got you drunk. Didn't you have a wonderful time when I got you drunk? But then again, at the end of the episode, she says, you were right. I should definitely fill my body full of garbage. Like, But she doesn't want that. Yeah. The thing is... The having her get more into like enjoying human crap, like eating stuff that isn't like gel packs she pulled out of the wall of the ship and like water, are, I guess. Are those things edible? I don't know. I mean, it, technically everything's edible I for guess a while. That's true. Yeah. That's that Terry Pratchett thing. All, yeah. all mushrooms are edible once. <laughs> 
But, like, no, I like the idea of her, like, getting into, like, oh, like, I can eat garbage and, like... Yes, on her own. Yeah, exactly. This is her journey. It's not for someone to force her to say, you need to have fun. It's for her to discover, oh, you know what? This is a pretty good experience. I would like this. The idea of some creep dude crawling into her head and, like, no, you're going to do this. And, and I'm, and you're gonna watch while I do it with your body. The, That's upsetting. It is, and the fact that it's the doctor, her, her friend, her closest friend, yeah. probably, and the one she could trust the most, who is most like her because he's also human adjacent, but mm-hmm. not entirely human. A little mechanical, like. Come on, we were bros. What yeah. happened, man? And then he pops out of her, and she's like, "You did this to me, and you did this to me." And he, and his reaction is, of course, "You should be glad I did this and this to you." Yeah, I gave you, I You're gave you welcome. life experiences. Yeah. Ugh, it's so gross. It is. And I don't like it. No, and just because she does a good doctor impression does not it justify really that. doesn't at all. It no. actually... No, not even a little bit. It's super unfortunate. But then there's the second layer of problematicness. Mm-hmm. Pro- problem... Problematic? Problematary. Yeah, thank you. Um, that doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> oh, no, it's a real word. Definitely not something I made up just now. No, fair enough. Um... Problem Mattery is our uh, spinoff podcast about all the problems you cause. <laughs> a long-running and well-developed <laughs> podcast. Um, no, there's the there's the whole second layer of uh, every time the doctor is in a situation where a dude is into him, mm-hmm. he's super, super uncomfortable with it. At one point, the, the, the woman alien is like, I will introduce you to uh, my brother, Seven. And he's like, Bro- brother, but that's a man. Men don't kiss men. Girls, Lisa. Boys kiss girls. It's in my it's in my notes. <laughs> it's seriously everyone acts like that's not even a choice. Oh my god! Like he's super weirded out by it. Yeah, I have expected him to just leap across the room, just like ew. Yeah. Why would that happen? Oh. And the fact is, he plays it so sort of mincing to begin mm-hmm. with. It's it's it just makes it worse. Yeah, it really does. And like you're talking about a character who technically doesn't have a gender. Well, I mean, he's explored his sexuality. We've they've they've discussed that. He's mm-hmm. gone on the holodeck. He's fucked at least once, more than once. Thanks, Voyager. I'm really glad I know that now. Did he have sex in the Beowulf thing? I he don't did. remember. But and then he had his sitcom wife. Yep. And um, then he lived on that there planet was for that a while. Alien, the holodeck alien or something that showed up that he was into. I think he had sex. Oh, with her Claire, too. that you called yeah, Claire. Her. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know that they ever boned, but she he was still into her, so that still counts as a relationship. Ugh. And then the planet He's, he lived like 20 years on or whatever. Yeah. So probably sent her pictures of where his dick would be. <laughs> Here you go. Just fill in the blanks. Dick Sim pics. That's what they call them. <laughs> I think Here's a picture and a pen. Draw what you think it looks like. You know what? I have anatomy charts. You can pick one. <laughs> pick a dick. I'm, mo- I'm most intrigued by the Klingon dick, which has a bony ridge grinding from... That's I, enough, Doc. <laughs> but he's... Oh, God. It, it's really upsetting to me that they bother like okay i get that rick berman is a coward and doesn't want to acknowledge homosexuality mm-hmm. for fear of offending one sponsor or something yep. whatever but okay so don't talk about it at all that's that is the coward's way out but at least it doesn't make it problematic it's that ongoing trek sexual like sexy thing that they try to do where they dance around it and mm-hmm. it just ends up like a, it just ends up as a sad mess covered in greased up dudes just just wait till we get to enterprise i will not I'm afraid you will. Oh, it's man. the problem. Oh, I thought about that this. pilot's full of greased up dudes, by the way. Um, no, a greased up dude and two greased up chicks, but that doesn't oh. make it any better. Um, I'm applying some kind of It's decontaminant medical. oil. There you go. I'm applying decontaminant salve to your bosom. Seriously, that that's basically what it is. They strip down to their underwear and they rub decontaminating oil on themselves in the airlock before they're allowed in the ship. Why do we think doing this podcast was a good idea? I thought of something and- uh, I realized, you remember for that, I think it was like the first three out of the four years of Enterprise where mm. they were ashamed to use the word Star Trek? Sure. There's our loophole. We said we'd review all of Star Trek. It's not Star Trek Enterprise until season four, so uh, we can skip the first three seasons, right? I like I like your thinking on that one. <laughs> we'll have to circle back to that. Because <laughs> we only said we cover Star Trek, and if they're, they're not no, going to Star Trek in the name, then... They said it wasn't Star Trek. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Should have put it in the title, Star Trek. Yeah, Exactly. Um, did you manage to, well, yeah, your good thing was, uh, was Jerry Ryan's performance. Yeah. It was very good, despite literally everything. <laughs> yeah. I would say that the aliens on the ship were more TV actor quality than ever. Mm-hmm. Like, they really 
Do you know who the woman was? It was driving me crazy. Yeah, she looked familiar, but, but I, I refused didn't... to look it up on no. IMDb. She might have been on Babylon 5. Could be. Now that I'm thinking about it. Could be. I liked her uniforms. I don't know they why. They actually reminded me, speaking of Enterprise, they reminded me a lot of the Enterprise uniforms. Oh. That that navy blue sort of conservative cut. Like I was going to say that's why, but I don't like the Enterprise uniform. I do, actually. Eh. That's one of the things I did like about it. It's like we've been saying, as Voyager gets worse, the production design people are still, like, the people making the effects and the costumes and stuff and the and the makeup, mostly. Uh, it feels like they're the only people who care. Yeah. That's the thing. You well, know? they're the same people who've been around through Next Gen and DS9, so it's not like they've run out of ideas. Yeah. Let's make some cool space stations and shit. Yeah, good. Yeah. And, you know. Do it some more. Yeah, they're, I like the uniforms in this, yeah. too. Um, my good thing. Yes. I actually liked that Tuvok's Ponfar wasn't a whole episode in and of itself, yeah. where... He ran around the ship out of control. Like, there's there's so many dumb ways they could take that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know someone in the writer's room is like, we got to do this story at some point in the seven years. Tuvok's going to get Pomfar, and then we can go nuts with it. Instead, it was a B-plot, and it was the typical Tuvok is trying to keep his shit under control and not talk about it because mm-hmm. it's undignified, and I like that. And it happens quietly in the background. And Paris is actually uncharacteristically classy about the whole thing, too. He gives him shit, which I wish he wouldn't do, but well, beyond that. he gives that, him shit because he's Paris. Like, that's just that character. He's, I he's know. a piece of shit. I know, but he does. You're, you're right. And Janeway figures it out, which I like. That, uh, that I like that, too. Just the, uh, so you of got course, the, she figured it out. Did, whatever dumb alien, Tarkalian flu or Andorian flu or whatever. Oh, got the Andorian flu. I seem to remember. Seven, yes, seven years. Seven years to the day. Yeah. Interesting. Odd that. Yeah. You, you go get some rest, my friend. I, I love those two. I've loved those two from day one, yeah. and I still love those here, two. Here, here. Go lock yourself in the fuck closet, and uh, you take care of this. How do, you, how do you feel about that whole thing with Tom making the, the hollow porn for... Uh... I think it works, um, and I think it's a good, like, alternative for Vulcans. I get why they want to do, you know, a whole ritual and shit, but as my wife pointed out while we were watching the episodes, sometimes you just need to shut up, go into the bathroom, and light a fucking candle if... If it's got to be a big to do, is that a is that a euphemism for something? No, it is not go, a euphemism. Uh, go it light is literally a go light. Oh, a, okay, it is literally go into the bathroom and light a candle. See, I think he he's probably tried that. You saw him trying to meditate it away, and it was not working. He could not pray the horny away. Well, he has the at all. bluest of Vulcan balls. He at this sure point. does. Yeah. No, and and they've you know we've seen through Spock and actually uh, uh, Vorik earlier mm-hmm. in this series that it's a big fucking deal. They don't talk oh, about yeah, it. Oh yeah, fucking huck deal. soup all over the goddamn yeah. place. I mean, if he'd had soup. Well, luckily for once, Neelix decided to tactfully stay away. I don't think it was tactful. He must have been busy. Oh, I heard you were super horny. Oh boy. How can I help? Oh boy. What if I dressed up as a sexy lady? Oh God. Nah, nah, nah. Come on, don't do not afford Neelix the dignity that Bugs Bunny deserves, please. <laughs> no, I like I genuinely like This is that's the only time Tuvok actually likes him too. <laughs> Say I haven't seen you around, crewman. No, I liked and in fact this is my quote where uh, uh, Tom says, uh, well, why don't you just go on the holodeck? And Tuvok says this. I do have one area of expertise that might help. The holodeck? I am a married man. It's the holodeck, Tuvok. It doesn't count. Is that what you tell your wife? Which, you know, he's right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you, is that what you tell your wife when you go bang whores on the holodeck? That's still not cool. Oh, Tuvok, I don't tell my wife about the whores I bang on the holodeck. He's like, and, and you could see, he doesn't say it. But yeah. Tom is basically, oh, right, I do have a wife. Oh, fuck. Forgot about that. <laughs> Tom, oh, right, I have a wife, Paris. Yeah, I feel like every day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm married. I mean, you know, you and I are both relatively recently married, and you have those days early on where you wake up mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm married. And then you, like, smile because it took a long time and you're yep. happy and everything's good. But for him, it's more like, oh, yeah, I have a wife. What did I do? <laughs> what? Not real sure why I may. Oh, right, to win that argument. Yeah, I forgot right. about that because right. I, I really just wanted to tie some cans on the, on the end of a uh, shuttle. That was the entire reason. <laughs> those barrels were there to lure Jaws out. <laughs> God damn it. But uh, no, anyway, I, what I liked was Tuvok is like, no, I'm not going to just go on the holodeck. What do you? And he's like, well, what if it's your wife? Well, and I can. That's gross, but okay. I got to do something. I mean, I got to fuck something, I guess. <laughs> it's Tuvok just like Brock in the first season of Venture Brothers. He's just punching himself in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go take care of something. 
The thing is, I feel like if he had a Vulcan like uh, support system around him, if there was a bunch of Vulcans, they probably have meditation techniques or mm-hmm. whatever. All he's got is Vorik, and yep. Vorik is younger and less experienced, so like he's on he's basically on his own. I'm sure in the like just in the way that like Vulcans have all sort of pulled together to keep this a huge secret. Like we learned that the last time. Yeah. Ponfar showed up is it's people still don't really know about it for the most part and i get that they have this weird sense of shame because they are they are so so proud of their emotional control and here's a moment where that completely falls apart and yeah. they're like oh we do not want people knowing about this but i don't know like then, then again t- we also have stuff like Ponfar night at uh, the club well I, I do we talked about that a little bit i feel like that's First of all, it's a bit culturally insensitive, but yeah. when do bars not do that? Well, yeah. that's always a thing bars have done. But uh, I, I kind of like the idea of it's going to be Earth's idea of what Ponvar is based on weird urban myths. And that stuff. makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> not based in any kind of fact at all. Just like, well, you know, I heard that a Vulcan's dick fucking... becomes the entire volume of their body and their body shrivels up and they just become a penis. That's what I heard. <laughs> I don't know. I heard that uh, Vulcan's penis is barbed like a cat's. <laughs> I only know that because of Red Dwarf, by the way. <laughs> oh, God. Is the cat's penis barbed like a cat's? I don't <clears throat> know if it came up in the show, but it definitely came up in one of the books. Oh, man. Yeah. So Things enjoy I that. I didn't need to know about. Has he had sex in that show? No, I'm not sure. I mean, it depends because that show changes, like, continuity all the time. So maybe. Ah. Mm-hmm. How's he looking? It's the sound of the noise of the woman he was just having sex with. Ow! <laughs> I did something horrible. <laughs> anyway, no, I liked I liked how that all played out, and yeah. I actually thought it was kind of funny when the guys sh- like it tied together nicely with the a plot when the yeah. guys showed up and said we don't like photonics, and, and Kate's like, okay, I'll turn off the holodeck, and you cut back to Tuvok. He's like, all right, let's. Oh, motherfucker! I legit, I, I legit wanted to see him in bed, just like. <laughs> Yeah. And then just everything turns Thump. up just bam. Yeah, falls to the floor. Son of a bitch. But they did it as as tastefully as they could have. <laughs> comes I, onto the bridge in a towel and just like, what the hell? It's got a clear just like erection through the towel. Shane <laughs> was just looking down. Captain, please. Trying to make any contact. Yeah. But the thing is, I do, I have always liked Tuvok sort of being the the proud Vulcan who yeah. doesn't want to talk about it. I can power through this. I will be fine. Just don't talk about it. I will be at my station. I like well, and, that. <laughs> and we go by the Tuvok, I don't like anyone on the ship who isn't the captain thing, too. It's mm-hmm. also really funny just because, like, you take the Vulcan uh, pride thing about it, and then you take the, God, what if Neelix finds out about this oh, thing Jesus, and yeah. add it together? It's just like, oh, fuck me. And the only medical professional I can I can consult on this is fucking Tom Paris because the doctor's gone right now. Yeah. So uh, Neelix is definitely going to find out because he'll tell Harry and then Harry will tell everyone. Yep. So, hey, by the way, did you hear about this? Oh boy, oh, Mr. Vulcan. Yeah, I hear your penis is doing weird shit. Uh, we can yeah. talk about that together if you want. But I, I do genuinely like my how... penis was stolen by pirates in season four. <laughs> oh no, my penis! Pirates. <laughs> There's never been anything as cool as pirates on Voyager. You know the evil penis pirates of season four. <laughs> that sounds more like a Doctor Who. It really does. Of series 86. <laughs> have to get out of here because of the penis pirates. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Oh, my dick. Ejaculate. All right. That, that, that's enough <laughs> that's to That's about enough of that. Yeah. Um, at one point, uh, the doctor says, eating is great. I should make myself a holographic stomach so I can eat, too. That's not how holograms work, Voyager, for the last time. I'm okay with that if it floats around behind him like a flying vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Just attached to his stomach. Mm, so it's more like a holographic colostomy bag. Yeah, exactly. His waist just goes into a, something outside of his body. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. This is how I'll eat now. Yeah. Mm, uh, I'm perfectly capturing the the feeling. Mm. Uh, that's about all I got. What about Let you? Let me just look at my notes here. More hot Vulcan masturbating. Mm. Uh, I found all the seven stuff super problematic, and they did try to play some of it for laughs. Where he's like, "Well, I do have a figure to maintain." Shut up! Just yeah. shut up! Just yeah. don't be. Just uh, I'm yelling "shut up" a lot, but uh, we're gonna be doing that a lot more in the next one. Uh-huh. So, uh, uh, Jerry Ryan clearly having the time of her life, though, and I like whenever she gets to 
yeah. sort of get outside because the, the character I, I like Seven a lot, but she's not exactly emotive. Well, know? it's it's much like Nimoy or uh, uh, Brent Spiner, yeah, where you're usually playing very rigid, not super demonstrative characters, mm-hmm. and when you get to ham it up a little, you have a, bit, a lot of extra fun. But and, you know, she's also like a very talented actor, and yeah. getting her outside of that. No, and like I say, if they, thing if they pretty- had played it funnier yeah exactly and like, didn't emphasize stupid, the horror of it it's that's like it's their insistence on making it gross it was her reaction that really changed it for yeah, me like if she come out of it and she'd just been all like that was so cool or, or that was unpleasant yeah but not but like, no it's just, like the look the, she the look had on the, her face the poor yes, woman yes she had a super angry accusing like look angry and you violated me. and she used the i don't remember the exact word but something like it was, violated it's close to that yeah like really strong language to indicate that I this is not okay. Do not do this with my body yeah. again. And then he does it again. Yeah. So I mean, and then Harry's got to sort of slink up and go. Well, you know, I mean, oh right, Harry was in the. Uh, he has to go into your body oh, to do geez, whatever Harry. stupid reason we have, and uh-huh. she's like, yeah. isn't that sort of super tight in? Just like, yeah. Please don't make me do this you again. Fucking starf. Well, people. you know, I'm a gross. I'm sleep. gonna have to. So, yeah. I mean, Nothing I've, we can do. I've been – my like for the Doctor has been slowly unraveling over the course of the series, and yeah. I think this might be it. Yeah. I think he can't come back from this for me, and I'm sorry because I really did like the character and I like the actor. But, yeah. Ugh. This was – He was already an insufferable one-joke guy, and now there's this. Yeah. So fun. Pour one out for – Liking the Doctor. And that lasted longer than uh, – Oh, yeah, definitely. Our like of a lot of other characters. Well, Harry made two episodes. Harry, mostly we just said we don't see why everyone hates him for yeah, a couple of seasons. It was season two at least. It was but, two or three yeah. where the special boy episode happened. Yeah. But it's just like. But we never liked him. We were just waiting to be convinced one way yeah. or the other. And then the other shoe fell. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, we're a couple of episodes into uh, season seven. And all I keep asking myself is, where's Naomi Wildman? Uh, actually, someone wrote in and told us uh, she had started work on another show oh, so and had other commitments. Now. I don't know if she's completely gone, but she's way less available. Mm. Like, I'm not going to say I don't know because I have no idea. Like, she may show up again, but she's not going to be around as much as she was. Oh, this is just a sad episode for a number of reasons. Yeah, that's true. Well, this is not this episode's fault. This happened. <laughs> I'm going to blame it on this episode, though, just because it's here. Also, uh, the show in question was Reba, which is the new Becker, basically. Um, hmm. <laughs> you took away someone we liked. I'm trying to remember what Reba is about, and all I can think of is Grace Under Fire, and that's not right. I don't know. I have, did not watch most of those shows. You are right to do it. They all sort of, <laughs> they're all basically what you think. Samey sitcoms that are probably not completely terrible, but also completely unremarkable. Yep. That's And that you instantly forget once they've been canceled. That's a lot of sitcoms for me, mm-hmm. though. And that's not necessarily bad. I get what they're for. I just don't usually watch them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they're the worst thing ever on TV. What? No, there's so much worse than that. Yes, there is. For instance, <laughs> the next episode, which I don't remember the title of, so I need to. Oh, oh Nightingale. Nightingale. Of course it is. Why don't you tell us? So here, I just realized my opening is exactly the same as your opening. <laughs> well. <laughs> These episodes keep opening the same, so what are you going to do? So Harry, Seven, and the Doctor, wait, Tom, Neelix, who cares, <laughs> are out in the Delta Flyer 2 apparently doing, you know, space stuff, killing time until the season runs out, the usual, when they run across a cloaked ship containing, among others, Ron Algar Glass, <laughs> a beloved actor from another classic canceled TV series. I'm referring, of course, to TGIF's Teen Angel. Anyway, Ron Glass is a lying doctor who's heading a rebellion against the government on some nearby planet harry takes uh, takes a leak on the prime directive and offers ron and his pal some medical aid and a lift they all play dumb and put harry in charge yes i said play dumb i'm aware that intelligent people wouldn't put harry in charge of a hamster ball back on voyager kate's been playing nice nice with the very planet that ron glass and friends are on the run from so now we have a conflict of interest which should make for some real taut drama but it doesn't so Harry begs Kate to let it, to let him help Ron Glass's friends to some planet. And she's all like, well, take Chakotay or Tuvok with you. And Harry's like, no, then I won't be in charge. Like he's the older brother when mom and dad are trying to get out for a night, on, night to see a movie. So then Kate lets him be captain of this medical ship for its stupid mission because it's easier than arguing with him. And the last time Harry didn't get his way, he shoved his stupid head between the banister railings, got stuck there. And then we had to call Mr. Menendez from next door to come over and saw him out. And off Harry goes in an adventure all of his own. 
Kate sends Seven to keep an eye on him. Uh, in case everyone has forgotten, Harry Kim is a Starfleet ensign in his mid to late 20s and not a teething infant or delicate fern. <laughs> so after getting his captain off as just the way he likes it and renaming the ship to something earthy to please the one Earth guy on the ship, him, Harry finds out that the crew is actually a cloak, that the ship is actually a cloaking device prototype hoping to win their stupid war and not in need of any medical attention. And then the crew instantly mutinies. When crying and fudging his pants do nothing, Harry takes advice from Seven and takes back control of the ship by doing what the mutineers want. Nice job, Ensign Kim. Then he gets his crew back home, or maybe that he get killed. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I watched both of these episodes in a row, and by this point, I was pretty bored and drunk, and probably reading an erotic novella. Ooh, which one? I disremember. Ah. Um. Well, it wasn't a very good erotic novella, apparently. They never are. Yeah. Well. And yet you keep reading them. <laughs> You have thousands of them. Thousands upon thousands of erotic developments. I, I, I believe this to, one had a count. I came to pick you up uh, today, and you couldn't even open your front door because all those erotic novellas were blocking the <laughs> way. Working at that bookstore warehouse has really uh, had a sort of a mixed bag for you. It's good you're employed. It's a mixed but, bag uh, of erotic novellas. Uh, you bring one home every night. <laughs> I imagine it's like working at a bakery where you bring home sort of the irregular loaves of bread. You're bringing home the weird books that no <laughs> one wants. Irregular erotic novellas. Yes, exactly. The ones that they can't sell or won't sell, or, or the Chuck Tingle ones, probably. I hated this episode. The thing is, I hated the things that happened in this episode, but mm -hmm. I kind of like that they made an episode about how Harry is terrible. Like, I talked about this before. In-universe, Harry is terrible. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes him, and he's not good at his job, and yep. this continues to be the case. It's not like there's an episode that's trying to convince us he's good. Th this episode's point is he is not cut out for leadership. Kate is right to not promote him, yep. and he's exactly where he belongs. We also, in this episode, get the why Harry hasn't been promoted speech. There's a there's a thing. They basically give lip service to him being like, oh, if we were in the Delta Quadrant, or if we weren't in the Delta Quadrant, I'd be like a lieutenant or maybe even a lieutenant commander by now. And I'm just like, no. He might be a lieutenant after seven years. A lieutenant, I can I Not can a lieutenant commander. That's the, the super, like, achievers, and that, he would yeah. not be that. Data was a lieutenant commander for seven years, and how dare you, That's Harry true. Kim. And maybe before that. he was When we met him, he was lieutenant commander. Who knows how long he was before that? Yeah. Although, I think they had talked about, like, um, that nobody wanted to promote a robot. <laughs> so there's also that. <laughs> We don't we don't want to put him in charge. Yeah, we don't want to put him like one step away from being in charge of a ship. Fuck that. What are you what are you talking Lieutenant about? Lieutenant Commander keeps him nice in the middle somewhere. What if he catches a virus? <laughs> if he catches seven thousand viruses. <laughs> uh. Jordy, I'd like to ask that. how would you feel about buying some pills for me that make your dick hard? <laughs> Is it pond far already? <laughs> Now, I, the thing is, I did not enjoy watching this episode, but sort of in the abstract, I like that we have definitive proof that we're right about Harry. That, that is he's, nice. He's not a good leader. He's I mean, not a good person. I mean, we've been picking up, like, he started the series, and he was supposed to be like the, he, honestly, he's supposed to be the Wesley. He's yeah. like the prodigal Yeah, he just got out of the academy, and he's hot shit. Than fucking and, everybody. And yeah, like, and, and Kate's like, ooh, I want you on my team. You're, you're, you're on your way up, son. Except, except that what he really is is just the whiny, spoilt kid who's been told that he's special all his life, and... Mm -hmm. So like Wesley later on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only he doesn't get to quit. <laughs> Or go in, or become one with the universe, or whatever the well, fuck. He happens. wants to probably. Also, I've never had to read uh, Harry Kim's blog about uh, whatever the fuck Will Wheaton writes about. Well, okay. I don't know. Some of that was pretty, uh, pretty enjoyable. Back in the day, yes. He was he was doing some good write ups of the early next gen Those episodes, really and I wish. Good. And then he stopped. He did like the first ten or twelve, and then stopped. And it's like, he had such a unique perspective on, I was there. Yeah, and I was happened. there and a kid. Like, yeah. that's super interesting. So it's like all the books we've read about Star Trek from a super unique perspective and mm. fairly snarky, so it was fairly funny. Yeah. But uh, he just kind of stopped. I think, like, there was supposed to be a book deal or something coming out of that that yeah. never sort of happened, which I get, but, you know. But those were, those were before we started Pa. That was oh, a yeah. long time ago. So I was like, reading that back in when I was in college. Hmm. That wasn't that long ago. It was pretty long ago. Okay. I have no concept of time anymore. I don't know. I've just been watching Voyager for the rest of my life and all Grand of my life. Dying. There's always 17 minutes left. But it, like I say, I, I did not enjoy the episode by any means, but I thought it was interesting that it's they chose to like. Nice when <laughs> yeah. they, they agree with us. Exactly. And at 
felt sort of on a meta level making fun of Garrett Wong saying, how come Harry hasn't been promoted by mm-hmm. actually having Harry say, how come I haven't been promoted? Yep. I, the other thing I like about that is that they're like – Jayway talks about, well, we can't because, you know, we're not in the Alpha Quadrant and you have to pass that shit on and whatever. We've pro- we've promoted two characters I was about on to this say, show well, already. They promoted Tuvok, like, promoted straight Tuvok. up, but they also demoted and then re-promoted Paris, which yeah. doesn't really count. But Tuvok absolutely counts. Yeah. He's a lieutenant commander now. And that's probably because he's the captain's BFF. Yep. Harry's just in the background of all the parties where people get promoted just like, mm-hmm. Well, they made a point of having him say something when Tom got re-promoted. Well, I get promoted. Because shut up. Yeah, that's why. Because shut your damn mouth is why. But I mean, this what we've been talking about this whole time is basically your bad thing. Yeah. Um, so I hate Harry Kim so fucking much. Like... Look, it's become a real fun goof up here on the old post-atomic horror to make fun of how much we hate Harry, but I really just want to take a second to sink my teeth into it for a moment. Harry Kim's a fucking garbage person. He's a smug, self-centered asshole who thinks all of Starfleet's been just been waiting for his arrival. Wesley at his fucking worst was not as bad as the smug, self-important shittiness that is Harry fucking Kim. He's terrible, and he's terrible at everything he fucking attempts to do. Harry, Captain Kirk took command of his first ship while he was still in the Academy. You took your first command seven years into your career, and no one has ever whizzed so successfully down their leg as you did. You're a fucking joke, Harry Kim, and I hope you die and are buried in a pauper's grave. (laughs) I mean, I don't think they have pauper's graves anymore. I think we can probably dig one. Yeah, probably, just for Harry. Bring back Boot Hill. <laughs> just a big pile of failure. Uh, I, I I just, like, I tried to think of something more specific for this episode, but really it just got down to every time he opened his mouth, I just wanted him to close his mouth and walk out of an airlock. <laughs> no, that's that's completely fair. The whole, it just, it feels like the whole episode is just about, like, these, these rebel guys just celebrating him for, you Hey, know, we found a rube. <laughs> Yes, exactly. We found someone to uh, to help us get our secret ship to, to where we're going. Let's make this dumb idiot our captain. He'll do it because he's a dumb idiot. He won't, He's so keen to prove himself, he won't even realize that we're uh, getting one over on him. This is great. And I just, I he fucking... And then, if this were a cartoon, they'd look at him and he would turn into a giant, like, life-size sucker. <laughs> I just, he comes onto the ship and the first two things he does is get his... His captain's. Oh no, no, this is this is my bad. Okay, okay, okay. So we'll come back to that. But what was the other thing? And the other, and he renames the ship. Yeah, to Nightingale. The Nightingale. After because well, because Florence Nightingale helped sick people. But come on, dude. Let's make it something earthy for the Earth guy. Yeah, nobody on this ship is from Earth, dude. You're helping some aliens. (laughs) What's a Nightingale? Also, they don't have the concept of naming ships. Mm-hmm. Their their name was like cargo ship number eight four seven two. Yeah, like that's the good ship cargo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but my bad thing. Yeah, as you mentioned, after Harry assumes command of Fisher Price's my first mission, <laughs> one of the first things he does is decorate his ready room. He reminds me of people who insist they're going to get started on that novel just as soon as they find the perfect notebook or mm-hmm. blog theme. I know this was an intentional choice to show how immature he is, and it was actually quite effective because I wanted to punch him even more in that moment than I usually do. Okay, priority. One, I'm going to put up posters of all my favorite bands. What, dude, come on. I just pictured having a poster of him, like... Oh, the Kim Tones. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. There's, like, one of those, like, um, inspirational message ones where it's got, like, exuberance. And then underneath is, like, a little message about it, and it's like a shot of space. But, like, he's in the foreground of the space shot with his arms crossed, looking all dramatic. I mean, that's good, but the whole time you said that, I'm picturing Neelix dangling from a tree branch. (laughs) Hang in there, baby! It's almost Friday! (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to come down now, Mr. Vulcan. No, I think we need to get a few dozen more shots for this poster. <laughs> my arms are giving out. I know. That's what we're waiting for. Oh, no, my bones. <laughs> Somebody call for me. No, <laughs> sir. I actually do need some medical attention. I'm leaving now. <laughs> there I go. <laughs> Off I go, apparently. <laughs> I. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's the absolute worst. He's just, I, I hate him so much. Yeah. And, I don't know, and... Didn't feel like anything happened in this episode. There were a, a couple of okay points. And- but yeah, I, I what I did like was the, there was sort of a junior crewman. There's always the one guy who's like, Starfleet, huh? Mm-hmm. I might like to be part of Starfleet. And Harry puts his arm around, let me tell you about Starfleet. I'm the best guy in it. So I'm the best qualified guy to tell you all about it. 
Starfleet, we want you. Sir, please stop pointing at me. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the other poster he's got up. Himself and his <laughs> Uncle Sam hat. <laughs> Tom bought this for me. <laughs> he says this was all the rage on Earth. In <laughs> whatever stupid time Tom's into. And I'm too dumb to know any better. Well, that's true. Uh, he's got a saxophone all set up <laughs> so he can jam. No, see, he graduated from the clarinet. It was the clarinet, right? It was the clarinet, To the yeah. saxophone. And now he plays both, I think, is my pick. I'm picturing him like like there's one on either side where he just keeps playing like accompaniment for himself. I, I, what I really want to see is him waiting sort of at the door of his office, waiting for someone to come in. And when he sees someone approaching, he runs to the desk and just starts playing the, the saxophone. Like, oh, hey, I didn't hear you come in. I was just jamming. The exact opposite of Picard with the flute where people keep interrupting him. I'm trying to play the fucking flute over here. Instead, he's trying to get interrupted. So people will see him being cool. Yeah. Al's tearing up. Nailed it. <laughs> No, because I'm thinking about Harry playing that, and that doesn't do anything for me. (laughs) Uh, What was your good thing about this episode? Ron Glass was in this, and he was in Firefly. That was a pretty good show, right? He was really wasted here, I thought. He really was. And I don't mean in the sense of being drunk. Nope. I mean in the sense of being uh, ill-used. Dude's a good good actor. He's a great actor. I looked him up so I could make my uh, topical teen angel joke. Of course. It would not be hard. Like, he's one of those working actors that I'm sure you could find something yep. embarrassing for, and there were probably several good choices. But I also watched Teen Angel back in the day and see it's like, oh, fuck, that was him. I love that those. Gi- that giant head. I love those people. He played God's brother, Rod. That's pretty good, actually. Uh-huh. He was in one of my favorite, um, and I might have talked about this before. I might have mentioned this when he when he died recently, actually. Mm. Um there was in the '80s. They did a revival of the Twilight Zone that was actually a lot better than you think. Yeah, you, you, we've talked about that before. That uh, it was it was an hour long. Thing. Yeah, and uh, sometimes there were two or three stories, and mm-hmm. you never knew how long they were. So it wasn't like the predictable. Well, we're at the end of the hour, so here comes the twist. Is like no, sometimes it's twenty minutes long, so you never know. You're kind of caught off guard like that. That's and really cool. Because of that, sometimes there were these quick five minute short ones to round out the hour. Mm-hmm. And he did one. I think it was like ten minutes long. It's on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, where he plays the devil. And Sherman Helmsley, TV's George Jefferson, uh, plays a uh, mathematics professor uh-huh. and who outsmarts the devil. Ron Glass would be a good devil. He's fantastic. And it's it's played for comedy. Yeah. And it's basically just a math guy trying to outsmart that, like out logic. The devil is one of those stories, like a lot of dialogue, a lot of quick dialogue, sure. trying to, to find a logical loophole kind of thing. Like, you know, those those devil stories where someone's trying to out, like get out of their contract oh, sure. or outsmart, whatever. It's that. One of my really... erotic novellas is all about the devil <laughs> of course. and him trying to trick people. Uh, you mean the Rolliker? You're talking yeah, about the, the Rolliker. Rolliker. Of course. Big shirtless Rolliker <laughs> kicking the door in with his goat hoofs. Yeah. Like you do. What's up? Let's fuck. But this is this is a fantastic mm. short that is on. Uh, it, like I said, it's on YouTube. They mm. haven't taken it down. And um, and it's really worth watching. And like I've seen him in other good things, too. But that's after Shepard book. That's the thing yeah. I think of him in the most. It's just so good. I remember those Twilight Zone commercials from when I was a kid and them terrifying me. They're pretty scary. They got a lot of good writers on them. Yeah. Uh, Harlan Ellison was one of the main guys for all his craziness. Look, He's a solid yeah. guy. The guy The guy writes real, real good. And they got uh, George R.R. R. Martin before he took off. And they mm-hmm. got a few other like big names that you would rec- like recognize and just uh, pretty pretty good selection. Like pretty hardcore. Like if you were assembling the best writers available in the 80s, this is pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Which is I think Stephen King did one. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, he did. As a matter of fact, it was, I believe, the maybe the one with Bruce Willis? Because a lot oh, of actors on their way Willis up, too. Calls him, like, yeah, 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 I know that one. I think Stephen King wrote that one. All right. Maybe not. I don't know. I could be misremembering. But anyway, Ron Glass was in that, and it was great. And I know he's been in other great stuff, too. But uh, yeah, he was he was a bit wasted. Like, we know he's capable of more. Yeah, he Like, they could have gotten anyone for this, for this role, honestly. Like, yeah. The dude had, I mean, you know. Almost a bad guy, but not really. Like No, I get what they were going for, and he did the best with what they gave him. They yeah. didn't give him anything. And the makeup they put him in was kind of crap. It looked like his fucking, face was melting. Yeah, like, like almost a Vulcan-y, but... Uh, no, it was kind of jowly. Yeah. Like his cheeks sort of fell. Yeah. Oh, Harry Kim, it's good to finally meet you. I think uh, I think Bob, was when he was watching it, said it was like it looked like he had mutton chops, but then they were flesh mutton chops. That's about what they there's were. There's a there's an image. Thanks for that, Bob. Mm-hmm. But it was it, like it was cool to see him. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But then, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, you like, could, and and we talked before about how Voyager's gotten a lot of pretty good names and usually use them to good effect. Laurie yeah. Petty was good. Jason Alexander was good. The Rock was fine. Sarah Silverman. 
Sarah Silverman. Yeah, like a lot of good, pretty big names for the 90s. But uh, and this guy probably wasn't huge at this point. No, I mean, he like, never well was. No, well known character actor. Yeah. You know, he, I mean, that's all he ever was. Firefly yeah. wasn't a big hit. But, no. You know, known in our you circles. Hear that? But Firefly wasn't a big hit. I'm not going there again. <laughs> if you want to, that's fine. I look, I love that show and that yeah, movie. Yeah, me too. But good lord it's over it's been over for a very long time they stopped the signal real easily <laughs> it stopped yep. they stopped paying for it and it went away uh my good thing so yes. there's a there's a whole subplot which you didn't mention because it doesn't really have any effect on anything um actually first of all to set to sort of set the scene um i liked voyager was super overdue for long-term maintenance which normally you'd set into a star base yeah. and have done and they hadn't in, a, in the seven years they've been there and Bellana's like We've been putting this off long enough. We need a fucking oil change. For yep. Christ's sake, land on this planet, and we are going to take a couple days. And then she takes the ship apart. Uh, might be more like a week, because there's a lot wrong. <laughs> and then Echeb starts uh, like living up to his what we've hinted at before, yeah. that he's good at engineering stuff. He's like, maybe maybe not a week, maybe five days, because I figured out a way to fix this. And she's Look, like, I cleaned out the gutters. Yeah, and she's like, ooh, cool. You're with me. Mm-hmm. And it was a nice, like, I like that. I like paying yeah, it's off. A, it's a good use of the character without... Um Sort of forcing him into like the 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 Wesley. Yeah, now you're going to be in engineering, yeah. and you're a special boy, and we got one of those already. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. But it's it it was a good like I'm just I'm helping out as an assistant like you know intern here, mm-hmm. but suddenly I have shown you that I'm great. So Balana's like, you know what? You're with me. We are going to get off this planet quicker. Let's go. And you're that, the Borg I like. And that oh god yeah I didn't think <laughs> of that. And that turns into Ichab has this delightful. He thinks she's got a crush on him because yeah. he's in that same sort of transitional stage that Seven's in. And he's also like and he's also a teenager. Teen or yeah. whatever. So between raging hormones and not really understanding the full human experience, he's mm-hmm. like, um, she wants to spend a lot of time with me. And she offered – and what it was was she offered out of sympathy because he seems a little pathetic yeah. to take him to the holodeck and have fun after work. Like, mm-hmm. like when your coworkers say, let's all go have a beer after work. That's yeah. all it was. It was completely innocent. But he doesn't know how to interpret it. And I think – if you haven't personally been there, you probably know someone who has when you're a teenager and you think someone's super you're into you. You're in love with me. And then you look back on it and you're like, Jesus, really? The teacher did not have a crush on me. What the fuck was I thinking? Or whatever, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> it manifests itself in him. Like, at one point, Tom is like, oh, so you're going on the holodeck with her, huh? Why don't you come on the holodeck with me instead? And he interprets that as, oh, God, she's a Klingon, and their whole thing is challenging for for dominance. He's going to fight me. Yeah, he wants to go into a competition thing with me for competition for his mate. Oh, God, this has gone too far. And so he goes and confronts Balana. And first of all, she's like, what the fuck? And to her credit, to the writer's credit Mm -hmm. for fixing Balana this season, she she backs off. Yeah. And she says... He says, I think we need to stop seeing each other. And she you can see it all play out on her face. And it's beautiful where she's angry and confused. And then sort of dawn breaks. And she's oh. like, yeah, maybe we should stop seeing each other. That's a good idea, honey. <laughs> and it was it was adorable. I really liked yeah. it. And the thing is, in contrast with the previous episode, which mm-hmm. was a situation that could have gone funny and light yeah and it turned creepy this could have been hugely creepy it could have been like charlie x where the teenager has weird inappropriate crushes on older women yeah but instead they Why would played you have it, sex with me yeah but instead they played it deliberately awkward yeah and, and sweet really well like just yeah. like oh Icheb, you lovable yeah ex- <laughs> exactly I, I i felt a little bad for him on the well, other hand this is a lesson you're gonna have to learn someday so i mean like naomi wildman is a small child on the ship who, like, has no other small ch- children to relate to. Yeah. But she's also, like, you know. She's also way more emotionally mature. Yeah. But she's never been a bore either, so. Icheb, same boat, also 17. Yeah. Like, the closest person to him is either Naomi Wildman or Harry Kim. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's it. No, I totally get it. And again, you remember Charlie X. You remember how creepy that was. That was a rough one. Yeah. It could have gone that way. Yeah. It could have gone the teenager who demands that women pay attention to him. And instead. It was just like, and Ichab's real growing on me, honestly. I've heard people complain about him and that's fine. Maybe he takes a turn like some of the other characters Mm -hmm. have. I hope not. Because so far I think they're doing okay. Yeah. And they took away all the other board kids, so I'm not, like, trying to figure out who's who anymore. Yeah, no, and now he's, like, a unique character. It's not just, like, the Borg Kids Club. Yeah. <laughs> the Burger King Kids Club. <laughs> God damn it, that's pretty good. <laughs> 
But I, I genuinely enjoyed that. I yeah. took I took real and to the point where when they would cut away from that, I'd be like, no, don't go to Harry's stupid plot. Stay on the dumb each misunderstanding. I got some real important stuff going on. You might want to hear about. No, that's that's okay, Harry. We're going to see what each doing. Uh-huh. We're going to see him awkwardly drop a wrench. Oh, and on on the subject of Bolanov inviting him to the Hulk, we now have confirmation that she has one interest Rock, rock climbing, climbing. So which actually makes a lot of sense for that character. She actually likes some like extreme, like uh, extreme sports yeah. stuff, maybe or maybe not sports, but Getting at least like doing- physical exertion, yeah. like doing, you know, challenging herself. Like, she, and yeah, she's a very physical person. That yeah, makes sense. Right. It's still a little lazy. The Klingon likes the physical stuff. There's like that's not yeah. really much, but it's something. It is Why something. Can't she be into erotic novellas? I mean, or both. Yeah. She could be into people, rock climbing and... Or people bu- contain multitudes. Some people do. Some people are special boys. Well, she, he contains no multitudes. No. He is just a loser and a loser. That is all. <laughs> loser, super loser. Yeah, pretty much it. You open that stacking doll and it's the exact same stacking doll inside. <laughs> How are these all the same size? That doesn't make That's any not sense. not physically possible and yet... <laughs> Uh, at one point, they actually call Carrie Captain Kim, and I just have lots of ha ha ha. Roll up in your mouth a little bit. Like, <laughs> no, it ugh. just made me laugh. It might as well say Captain Neelix. <laughs> no. My one of my last notes here is, uh, man, I do not care if he succeeds or fails. I know he'll succeed because Voyager, but uh. I had a line. Um, there's a part where Harry, uh, I forget who he's talking to, but he goes, he turns to someone who goes, I am perfectly capable of commanding a starship. I'm just waiting for Ron Howard to chime in with, he wasn't. <laughs> the thing is, the sentence I am perfectly capable of from Harry should just end with nothing. <laughs> he's perfectly capable of nothing. He's adequately capable of the bare minimum. Yep. He's perfectly capable of nothing. Oh, Harry, I wish you were dead. Anything else? I don't think so. You got a quote? Uh, I do. This is from Icheb. Uh, Icheb's awkward adventures with Bolana. <laughs> There's something we need to discuss. Sure. As soon as you help me finish this diagnostic. I can't do this. Of course you can. You've done dozens of them. I'm not talking about the diagnostic. I'm talking about us. Us? Your interest in me. It's inappropriate. I don't think I understand. It's obvious you desire a romantic involvement. Excuse me? You've made all the customary overtures, finding reasons to spend time with me, complimenting me, inviting me to engage in recreational activities. Your husband even challenged me to a ritual contest. What are you talking about? According to my research, it's a traditional Klingon practice. Look, I'm sorry, but you've got the wrong idea. You seemed a little lonely. I was just trying to be friendly. I scanned you. You scanned me? In the Jeffrey's tube. Your blood pressure and neurotransmitter readings indicated a state of arousal. Yeah, I wish that could have been the whole... Uh... Yeah. That's a good episode about <laughs> about characters I actually want to watch. Yeah. And please, give Bellana more to do. Honestly, like I say, I feel like they're fixing her character. Between the heart-to-heart she had with Seven, yeah. the confronting Tom and not just getting angry about their marriage, mm. and or their, their pre-marriage, their relationship, and now this. Yeah. I feel like they're doing a better job of not making just her get angry every time. They're giving her a little more nuance, and mm-hmm. I like that. So that's good. Uh, we're running a little short this week, so we still have a little bit of mail to catch up on. All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's see. This one comes from Dan, and he says, Hi, I've been listening since Voyager Season 4, and I've been keeping up with the new episodes while listening to the old ones. Listening to Call to Arms as I type. I, I think that's DS9. I don't. I have no idea. Call to Armus? It's not Call to Armus. We probably made that joke. We almost certainly did. In the older episodes, you mentioned TNG and TOS guides. Will there ever be a DS9 guide? Uh, Unfortunately not. Uh, We basically recovered the cost of printing the guides, but it takes a lot of time, effort, and money, and not enough to justify writing another book. Yeah. So I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's the answer, too. Like, we didn't sell enough. But Mm. really, like, I have stacks of these things in my house. And uh, we try every con we try and unload yeah, them, but you know, maybe one or two, one or two. And a lot of that is on the uh, on the strength of the uh, the, the awesome cover art that we got, yeah. But uh, we, we can't get Ramon anymore, no, we for, can't afford we couldn't Ramon. get him for, for Deep Space Nine, no, definitely not. Uh, I, I have considered actually uh, uh, commissioning him just to make what the cover would have been mm. just because I want to see it, but uh, that would probably cost a lot of money. I, you know, well, like, well-deserved. He, yeah, he works no. for Marvel now. And good for him. 
Uh, Dan continues, also fan theory, Balthazar Edison survives Star Trek Beyond and forms a resistant movement in the Federation devoted to making everyone tough. 100 years later, this movement is in full swing using their primary re- weapon, tipping over a table on Risa. <laughs> that makes, that yeah, makes I buy as much it. sense as anything. I buy it. Yep. Did he die at the end? I don't remember now. Balthazar Edison? Balthazar Edison. Almost certainly did. Balthazar Edison died no. at the end. That doesn't work at all. Here I am in prison. <laughs> no, I don't think he went to prison. I think he died. That's all the all the villains die in the yeah. end. That's just or no, they put Khan back in a box. But yeah, because they wanted to use him again. <laughs> please don't. Please just don't. Um, I'm back and I'm more British than ever. Hello. Uh, let's. Oim Corn. Uh, this one comes from Spurious K. All right. Uh, so how many people have written in to say that Janeway versus the Planet of Time Goes Fast, also known as Blink of an Eye, was entirely stolen from the novel Dragon's Egg, but made less interesting? All of them? Oh, okay, sorry. No, I think you might be the first. Mm. Spurious K. I'm unfamiliar with that book, unless it's an Anne McCaffrey novel. I mean, I know she writes about dragons. From, from the presence of the word dragon, I would assume so, but yeah. I don't know. You're the one that works in a bookstore. It's not an erotic novella, though, so you, you wouldn't know. <laughs> On an unrelated note, I'm entirely okay with a redo of The Cage. As a latecomer to the show, I followed Matt's advice never to listen to that episode. So score one for Matt. Someone actually listened to him. By not listening to him. Hooray! <laughs> it's not just The Cage we don't want to listen to. You to listen to is about the first five or so. Yeah, I don't. We, we didn't have notes at first. No, we, we were... We were going pretty much just off the top of our head. We would watch the episodes at the same time yep. with AIM going. This was when AIM was still a thing. Yep. And chat and sometimes still have the chat window open to look that back at what That was kind of our thought. notes, honestly, was yeah. just whatever we talked about in the ep- while yeah. we were watching the episodes. But And then as long as we launched right into the show, at least it was something. But yep. if we did it a couple days later, I forgot everything we oh, talked yeah. about. Which is why we usually re- like rescreen the episodes of the morning of because I forget. Yep, unless they're terrible. Especially as we get deep into these series. Yeah. And the episodes get a bit samey. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, no, as far as everyone knows, we are watching all of these episodes twice. Yes. We don't need to tell them our secrets. Mm-hmm. Secrets. Uh, let's see. He continues. Uh, kind of surprised that you missed slash didn't find it to be a huge problem in the Harry- Harold tries to bang a zombie episode. Just how little the rest of the crew was trying to get her to integrate when she had trouble. Forcing the look-human thing seemed pretty pointless, given that, well, it's Starfleet, there's all sorts of non-humans around. Seemed like the moral of the story was go be with your own kind and possibly your parents own you, mm-hmm. with the unfortunate undead being portrayed as more than a little runaway teenager aspect with the new family, despite being a full, capable, intelligent adult. Sure, the writers meant it to be welcome and paternal, but it comes off as massively creepy given the person knew fully that they were not her actual family. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, you're absolutely right. I mean, we miss things sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's that's just like we try to find interesting points, but we don't get all of them. So a poor woman. Yeah. Uh, and it goes on. Uh, Janeway seemed way too smug for someone who clearly failed at the end of Good Shepherd. And I can see your point about the direction the doctor has taken. Flandersization is the term, I believe. Yep. And wow, did season six uh, didn't really cut back on giving things to gripe about, did it? Nope. No. Anyway. Which one was Good Shepherd? That was the Lower Decks one. Right. Okay. Which I will always right, call. Right, because she's good shepherding the crew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, to quickly divert towards thinking of nicer things, what's some entirely unofficial Star Trek stuff you have enjoyed? I quite like Starfleet Museum, a website which has taken an, uh, a nice take on the Romulan War to TOS era told through a logical, consistent progression of starship designs. And I enjoyed Star Trek Armada 3, the mod for Sins of a Solar Empire, more than any other prior Star Trek RTS game. Uh, unofficial start. Well, we talked about fan films, which we are largely not a fan of. No, like we, um, I, I enjoyed the book. I met did not. There's not a whole lot of unofficial stuff that I sort of get into. I'm I, other than uh, I think I follow like eight different tumblers about people just drawing Star uh, Star Trek ships. Yeah, and um, the occasional web comic. Yeah, but yeah. those aren't really regular things. Um, They're just fans drawing stuff. That Kevin Church uh, web comic was coming out for like maybe three weeks. Was uh, it a web comic? It yeah, it was. I think it was called To Boldly Go. Hmm. Um, was really good. His Tumblr, mm-hmm. um, which sort of comes and goes, but is a really good Trek. Uh, yeah, it is. And we, we repost from that regularly yeah, on our I Tumblr. I think that's also called to, they, to Boldly Go. No, They Boldly, they boldly went. went. That yeah. was it. Yeah. And it focuses entirely on the original series. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, yeah, most of my favorite unoriginal stuff is stuff I see on Tumblr. Yeah, a lot basically. Of, a lot of cute drawings of Bashir and Garrick. Yep. I follow a lot of Tumblrs now that are just like uh, Bashir and Garrick making out. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, There's that person that does all the redesigns for Deep Space Nine characters, where like the Cardassians are like big lizard guys, and I don't like think I've seen the that. um, 
the the Bajorans are sort of more like smaller monkey people. Yeah, I could see it's, that being it's a, a good. It's really interesting. A good I, contrast between the two yeah. of them. Yeah, I like that. The, the, I forget what the trill are, but it's a really cool, like unique sort of blobby mm-hmm. thing that sort of ties into the host thing. No, and and I liked the short film for Axanar, and hopefully Axanar. whatever whatever they end up putting together for the final film, I the, hope is uh, also good. Yeah. Um, and uh, I the podcast that I name checked last week, the uh, improvised Star Trek, I'm still enjoying mm-hmm. that. So there's a few things. Here I used there. to listen to. I don't know if it's. I don't think it's around anymore. But I used to listen to uh, Make It So. Was a really. Good oh, that was the British guys. Yeah, right? they were. The, that was the British guys. Yeah. They were doing the best Trek podcast until we started. <laughs> I am still not confident saying that, but if you want to say that, I'm not going to say As someone who doesn't listen to any other Trek podcasts, I am very confident in saying that we are the best one. That's fair enough. We are certainly the most persistent ones. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, please rate and review us on iTunes. Yes, please please do that. Also, if you want to write to us, as these fine people have postatomichorror at Gmail, uh, the Tumblr we mentioned, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. If you want to follow me and Matt on Twitter, I am at Algar, A-A-L-G-A-R, and Matt is at Robot Matt. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Sometimes you'll see us live tweeting when we're watching Voyager, usually around Thursday night, one or the other or both of us would be like, oh, God, here we go. Sometimes you'll see short videos of me watching stuff. I'm glad you mentioned that. That was delightful. The little the video of Mario <laughs> telling you to stop watching Voyager. It's real terrible and he knows it. Yeah. Well, I will try uh, as a note to myself to to link to that someplace because I, <laughs> I found that delightful. And I, I've been exactly where you are. You're watching at your computer. You got all the stuff around your computer. Your eyes start wandering off the screen. I wonder yep. what Mario would think about this. <laughs> Don't watch my show either, though. It's also pretty terrible. <laughs> I'm a played by Captain Lou Albano. Mm-hmm. Mamma mia. <laughs> We have a pizza phone. It's literally a pizza that's also a phone. Oh, God. Who wrote this show? <laughs> Ernie Hudson showed up as a Ghostbuster one time, mm-hmm. and so did Inspector Gadget. What were we thinking? <laughs> Luigi. Yeah, it was a weird. I'm an Italian, too. Why not? <laughs> Whatever. All right, that's all for this time. Next week, we are doing some kind of a two-part episode. Oh, and, good. Uh, so whatever terrible thing is happening will be happening twice as long. Uh, and Bob will be joining us. So all right. look forward to that. Uh, until then. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this. 